0: It's time for Monday Night Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 WDWS Champaign-Urbana, featuring the News Gazette media sports writers Matt Daniels, Bob Osmussen, and Scott Ritchie, delivering the latest insights on the Illini and more. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling Text Line, 217-351-9397. Five, three, five, seven. Now, here are the News Gazette media sports writers and your host, Steve Kelly.
1: How you doing, everybody? Good afternoon and welcome to Monday Night Sports Talk with you until 6 o'clock this evening. We do have the telephone lines open, as Gene Honda mentioned in the open, 217-356-9397. If you would like to join us, Matt Daniels will be here. Scott Ritchie will be here. Bob Osmussen is here. It's lonely. Huh?
2: It's lonely in here.
1: It's kind of quiet in the building today. It's quiet. Although there are folks on the newspaper side getting out uh, tomorrow's sure, paper. Um, it, it was kind of weird. I told uh, Matt Daniels this a little bit ago. It was kind of weird uh, not having a paper two days in a row and one of those right. days being a Sunday.
2: Right, of course, and and I, you know, those are the decisions way above me, of course. But yeah, it's it's odd, but just find other things to read. So or actually, what I do, honestly, when we don't have a Monday paper, I'll go back and read some things from Sunday. I might, might have missed. So, well,
1: there'll be plenty of stuff to read tomorrow. Then plenty, from, uh,
2: <laughs> all sorts of stuff going on, and it, it doesn't feel like a ho- this is a holiday technically. Yeah, but to me, Sunday was a holiday, and this is not a. This is like I agree. I, I'm confused about this, Dax. So.
1: <laughs> well, uh, we, we've turned the calendar over the weekend, or late last week, into the month of July. And when you look back at the month of June, when everything opened back up again recruiting-wise for football and basketball, I think it's safe to say that Brett Bielma had a, a pretty interesting month of June and, and successful to some degree at least.
2: Oh, definitely. The main thing is busy. They're busy. They had a constant stream of people on campus in town showing off the Smith Center, all these things they hadn't been able to do. So I think, for, again, for them, for, the first thing was just getting the feeling of doing it again. So I'm sure I'm sure they're better a month later than they were the first day that they did it, and just in terms of knowing what they're showing everybody, where they're at. But, the, again, the feeling is better. And I talked to Tom Lemming today about Eleanor's recruiting under Brett Bielema and kind of where they are, not only in the state, but nationally. And he said they're a lot better off now than they were certainly a month ago and definitely a year ago.
1: Tom Lemming, one of the uh, high school gurus across the country, not only— Kind of
2: the original guru to me. How long has he been doing that? Oh, for 40 years, as long as I've been here, longer than I've been here. So he'd go go back to the 80s. He's been doing it. It was a mailman originally. Is that right? Yeah, and got into it, started doing it as kind of a hobby and turned it into a full time career. He, unlike a lot of these people that do this, he actually goes and sees all the players. He does. Like literally travels state by state, travels to Alabama, Mississippi, Florida, is in Illinois, all across the state. So he's really seen all these people in person, not just like as seniors, but he goes back to, you'll see the guys as, freshmen and sophomores, has great relationships with some of the coaches, most of the coaches, and calls them and says, hey, I'm going to be in Atlanta. Can you give, give me some players? There'll be 40, 50 guys show up. get their pictures taken, Tom, Tom, the stories, and pretty amazing guy, what he's done, and kind of, he started this industry to me.
1: Either he's independently wealthy, or he's figured out a way to, to monetize what he does.
2: Both of those things, he's <laughs> been on TV a lot, yeah. uh, done really well with that end of it, and Certainly, he has great respect in that recruiting community, and he knows the Illinois well. Knows the state of Illinois well, and knows Brett Bielema well. He's gotten to know him over the years as a, as a coach, and, and likes what he's doing, and thinks he's on the right track. So,
1: and Bielma, he had a, a pretty decent month of June, getting some Illinois kids to right. commit. I had to. He, he lost one over the weekend that uh, chose Wisconsin over right. Illinois. You're and not going to. That's going to happen. You're not going to get everyone. No. On them.
2: But they need to make their way into more top ten lists amongst these kids, and I think over. And Tom said this: the next, it's not going to be immediate. It's going to take two, three, four classes on top of each other to get all the way back to where they need to be. He basically, and I realized, Lovey Smith's four recruiting classes, uh, technically five, but really four, were they kept getting worse. Never a good sign. When you go from 48 to 50 to 73 to 90, I got a problem. So they're, it's, it's a lot of work to do, but possible to do it, and they're going the right way right now.
1: You've, uh, we talked about this before. You've been involved with uh, at least one of the preseason magazines, uh, most of which are not giving Illinois a, a, a lot of high marks. But Illinois does have something going for it, perhaps, that many of the schools don't in the number of super seniors right. they have coming back, guys that uh, have at least played in the Big Ten.
2: Right. No question that'll make an impact. How much? I don't think we know right now. I think a lot will depend. Those guys, you have to see what, how they developed, too. It, are the Is Doug Cranber better this year than last year? Well, logic will tell you yes. Is it Verdarian Low better this year Jake than last Hanson. year? Yeah, Jake a... Hansen. They should all be better. So if they're better, then that makes Illinois a more dangerous team. Does it make, a, make it a winning team? I don't know that yet. But their schedule combine the super seniors with the schedule, which is pretty, I'll say, average at best, maybe less than average, then you have a combination that could work well for a, a Brad BLMA's first year.
1: Matt Daniels and Scott Ritchie have joined us. How you doing, Matthew? Good,
2: guys. How are you?
1: Busy working on that Tuesday paper, eh?
3: Yeah, and uh, completely blanked on the fact that there was no news hour before the show tonight, <laughs> until, so we just rolled in here at our, our usual time. But uh, glad to be here and good to see Bob and uh, glad uh glad there's a lot of Illinois football recruiting to talk about I
1: knew I knew where to find you guys if I needed <laughs> to I knew you'd wander up this way at some point speaking of before we get off of football that uh, Nebraska game August 28th early line on that from Vegas has Nebraska about a nine point favorite is what I've seen
3: I'm sure Jake Hansen and other Illinois football players will make note of that uh, in the days in the weeks and days leading up to that game and that brings up a curious thought in my mind is when was the last time Illinois was favored in a big 10 game? Uh, that seemed to be kind of the calling card for a lot of these players, especially in 2019 when they went on their four game win streak is that despite them racking up some impressive wins, they were seemingly underdogs in, in every single game. And, uh, it's, kind of curious too the fact that Illinois handled Nebraska last season on the road in Lincoln I get it there were no fans at at Memorial Stadium there in Lincoln maybe that would have had a difference on on the game possibly but Illinois played its most complete game arguably of the Lovey Smith era last year last season in Lincoln they've got like Bob said they've got a lot of of guys coming back from that game uh maybe the x-factor though is Adrian Martinez, oddsmakers are thinking maybe he'll have a bounce back season after he was kind of demoted at times last season by Scott Frost and Luke McCaffrey was the starter but now McCaffrey is transferred out to Louisville so um, Rice What's that? Rice. rice, yeah.
1: He transferred. He changed
2: again. again. There we go. Yeah. Louisville sliced rice.
1: I don't know if he ever set foot in the, I don't, the I'm Derby not going City. Not a day or It's
2: so <laughs> Saw Louisville and said, ah, "I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going. I'm going to Houston. Going to Houston. I'm going to Houston.
3: Where rice football is a forgotten commodity <laughs> in, right. in Houston. But no, Adrian Martinez is. Uh, you think back to 2019 when Nebraska last came to Champaign. He put on a show under the lights at Memorial Stadium. And and maybe he f- maybe he he's had so much expectation and and. Weight and responsibility placed on his shoulders before he even took a snap for Nebraska. Now maybe this is the season he and and he puts it all together to, to help Scott Frost's program get back on the right track. I,
2: I've got a theory, maybe possibly, that this is kind of a desperation call. Nebraska is desperate; they're in trouble. The Scott Frost regime is in trouble. Whereas Illinois has a new coach. Maybe the oddsmakers saying, you know, Nebraska needs it to win more because they're in trouble. And Illinois kind of, they're settled. They're fine. They got the guy. They're set for the next five, six years. So maybe that's how they look at it. Plus, point spread is not really a saying Illinois is nine points worse than Nebraska. What it's really saying is I think the people that bet on this game will bet mostly this way and this way. They want to be right on the line. So when people bet in the worst ways, nine, nine is probably the number that makes sense. And it, 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 it'll change.
1: If any number makes sense in the it, beginning of July. It, it'll,
2: right. It'll change. I I would guess. Yeah, again, depending on what happens to off the field in terms of transfers and things like that, I would bet but it, it probably moves a little more toward Illinois as the game gets closer. I don't think it would go the other way. I think it would be maybe a toward like a seven-point game by the, by the time it was around. We'll see.
1: One of the things you mentioned, you you can't remember the last time Illinois was favored in a Big Ten game. Uh, another part of that question is when will be the next time they're favored in a Big Ten game?
3: Yeah, that's that's a very good point. and And uh, if they're able to beat Nebraska in in that Week Zero game, where you there's know, Purdue be
1: might be a toss-up, po- Maryland, Rutgers, Rutgers. Maryland, possibly yeah. That, yeah. that
3: Friday night when uh, the Terrapins come to Champaign, a lot will be dependent on on how Illinois fares after the Nebraska right. game. You would think, just based on paper, that when you see Texas, San Antonio on Illinois' schedule, not really. Thinking a lot about Texas San Antonio. Okay, that's a win for Illinois, but the Roadrunners are a sneaky good program. Bowl they went last year, went to a bowl game yeah. last year. Have only been around for about a decade or so as a program. uh But that's a night game at Memorial Stadium, and then in between that, it's kind of it's sandwiched in between the the first road trip of the Brett Bielma era to to Virginia, which will be an early kickoff <laughs> uh, brunch brunch here in, in CU uh, for all those trying to. To make some plans. But yeah, September 11th, they play at Virginia at 10 a.m. Uh, Virginia is a respectable program. Uh, Bronco Mendenhall has really kind of turned that program around here in the last few seasons. So if Illinois were to be, say, 3 and 0 going into Maryland, then maybe that's a game that the that's odds makers line. maybe favor the Illini in. We'll start
1: our pregame coverage on that one at 3 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Not Actually, th- they wouldn't, would. Be Columbus, you,
2: Columbus, you Columbus, would. Yes, yeah, that's <laughs> right. Calf
1: not volunteering to do that, but that's a ten o'clock Central Time kickoff,
3: and that's on the ACC network. So right. uh, start finding out where that is on your on your TV now, so you don't figure. Don't Please,
2: c- yeah, call us; we'll tell you.
3: There was a lot of calls last December oh when Illinois-Missouri, the Bragging Rights game in Columbia, was uh, switched to the SEC right. network alternate channel. I think Scott did a, like a thousand word story on on just that alone that led the next day's paper
0: yeah because there was uh yeah i talked to a couple of my fans but then also the, the majority of them on let's say twitter were less than pleased <laughs> and had no clue what the sec network alternate channel was
3: and then if the game eventually moved to i believe the sec network
0: it, it it moved. I don't remember what channel it was It's like was the day it.
3: after it was announced. The, the day oh, because people it, it freaked out. Yeah, because people right, got... Right, that's did. what happened. I it was, might have moved. I was there, so I didn't need to
0: watch it on TV.
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: But you can listen to illinois Virginia here on these airwaves. Yeah, you I should go. have said exactly that right. from yeah. the and, get-go. And the
1: pregame show, whatever mm-hmm. time that was. <laughs> 5 <for. 5:00> a.m. <laughs> <laughs> and Saturday Sports Talk. Just make sure Lauren, there is one make sure
3: Lauren brings breakfast.
1: <laughs> right. First time for everything. He's
3: not even here to defend himself.
2: I know, that's true,
1: but... You'll remember. 519 is the time. This is Monday Night Sports Talk. We are live in the studio if you want to call us. 217 356 9397. Scott Ritchie talked to the newest basketball commitment. Is it a commit or commitment? Commit, I would say. He's and made a commit.
3: He's made a commitment. Correct. And he is a commit.
1: That's my grammar guy. All right. Thank you. No problem. And we'll talk a little bit about Sincere Harris, but most people want to know more about what's going on with Kofi Coburn here. He's got, what, a couple of days yet to uh, either pull out or stay in the NBA draft.
0: Yeah, we sh- we'll have at least a small measure of clarity come you know, the end of Wednesday. You know, it's the NCAA's deadline for early entrance in the draft. To, Does it
1: go to midnight Wednesday? I, I guess. I mean, <laughs> as long
0: as it's not Thursday, you're probably fine. <laughs> but you know, that's you know, 10 days after the combine has been the NCAA's typical deadline last couple of years at least to withdraw from the draft and retain your college eligibility. So that part, at least, we'll know on, t- at some point on Wednesday, hopefully before midnight or 11.59 p.m. Uh, what we won't know that day necessarily is if Kofi Coburn withdraws from the NBA draft, whether or not he'll be back in Champaign. Um, since the last time we all spoke, yeah, he has entered the transfer portal and, you know, it got caught the fan base, caught me, I'll be honest, a little unawares. It uh, was a bit of a surprising move. I mean, you can look at it in a couple different ways. One is probably maybe the best business decision for him when it comes to just if he withdraws from the draft, having every option available to him. And then the name, image, and likeness, you know, rules now create a little more complication there. Which is also complicated by the fact that he's um, an international student athlete, and you know, how that all works with his visa, because not all you know student visas would maybe allow you know him to or an athlete to you know benefit off their name engine like this, because that changes them from a student maybe to a quasi. Well, I hadn't thought of that. Quasi employee of some sort. They're making money while playing college basketball so uh that's kind of tbd illinois doesn't have the answers for that right now either just because all of this is so brand new um the other side of it is the fact that hear me out the fact that he's in the portal is maybe good news because up until last week it seemed like his intention was to stay in the nba draft he had heard reports you know in late may that he was going to keep his name in the draft and then a week of the G League elite camp in Chicago he told WCIA that he's not coming back so the fact that he put his name in the portal means he's at least considering college basketball again at least a little bit and maybe he just decides to stay at Illinois instead of wherever else that might be.
1: At the golf course today I had I lost count at six or seven questions so you got inside information what's (laughs) Kofi going to do (laughs) And if I'd have been smart enough to come up with six or seven different answers, I I would have been right (laughs) to to somebody. But uh, everybody, that's what people want to know. Where's Kofi going to go? And I said, you know what? He might just come back here. Mm -hmm. That actually surprised a couple of people that I would say that. But some of the people that I'm talking to think that's a pretty good, well, it's hard to say pretty good because it could change by the hour. They think that's a real possibility that indeed he could come back here. And they're also... Uh, talking to people in the portal, including Dawson Garcia, who is a six ten forward from Marquette Scott, who is transferring and apparently considering Illinois.
0: Yeah, another one of those guys that guys that is also going through the the draft process. So uh, we'll know more about that again on Wednesday. But uh, he has multiple options. He could stay in the draft, which would probably be at the bottom of his list because doesn't seem like there's any chance that he'll be drafted and. He's really not even on many draft boards. They go. He's number one hundred of one hundred on ESPN's draft board. So there's sixty draft picks. Um, so G- he's kind of yeah. The math is simple there. Uh, <laughs> but he could return to Marquette. I mean, obviously, there's been a coaching change since his freshman year. Uh, Steve Wojcicki was fired, and Shaka Smart was hired. They need him. How like,
1: many years would he have to play?
0: He's got three years of eligibility left. Okay. To, just just was a freshman last year, and like Marquette desperately needs him because. The rest of their front court and with Theo John transferring to Duke is mostly untested. Um, then Illinois, North Carolina, and Arizona are also sort of among his potential destinations. And all three sort of have different front court situations. You know, North Carolina's is probably the most settled right now with Armando Baycott returning. And then they added uh, two transfers and Justin McCoy out of Virginia and Brady Manick out of Oklahoma. So he'd fit in probably as a combo 4-5 there. It's probably his role either place but uh, it's we'll just see and you know, no one will know until a decision is made and but again clarity a little bit whether he'll be available comes Wednesday.
1: It is moving up on 525. This is Monday Night Sports Talk on DWS. We'll take our first time out. If you'd like to join us give us a call 217-356-9397 We're back after this. <coughs> It is five twenty eight, and this is Monday night sports talk, kind of a semi-holiday version of the show. We're we, working, aren't we?
3: We don't take holidays in sports. I
1: understand that. Father, we, I
3: we labor on Labor Day, <laughs> and we uh, it's kind of
2: a big day actually usually. Yeah, it'll yeah.
3: be the Illinois football will be two games into its no season kidding. on Labor Day.
1: That'll be fun to talk about. Uh, let's get to football season. Won't be that long, Bob. You ready?
2: Uh, I better be because I just got an assignment today from the Cleveland to do the Big Ten rankings, which we do. I've done for about a decade or so, so that's coming in the top 25 will become due. Frankly, in the next month or so, I've I've got I think I've got a top eight right now, so I got some work to do on that. But yeah, I'm getting ready. I love this time of year. I really love August because you feel it then but july's good too. Where,
3: where's illinois in your big 10 west rankings bob
2: Ooh, i don't know I, i'd say they'll be not not seven i think i'll leave them not i'll put them at least a b- spot above seven maybe six maybe five i'm not sure maybe four not four okay no top four in the west will be wisconsin iowa Northwestern. and i'm not sure That's
3: disrespectful to pat fitzgerald's program He's going to use that as motivation.
2: Well, they might be down a little bit this year. Don't say that to Pat Fitzgerald. I know. Sorry.
0: Go
3: Cats.
2: (laughs) Go Cats. Love that.
3: Who's number one in the country? Oh. Don't say Wisconsin either. No.
2: (laughs) Actually, no. I won't say that ever again for fear of getting annihilated by Alabama people. Just don't pick a Big Ten team. It's preseason number one. That's right. You had them in your I did have them, and I like Alabama too. I think I had Ohio State four, three or four. But Oklahoma, great name. Spencer Rattler, quarterback, mm-hmm. really good. A lot of talent back. That staff is great. So I like them.
1: Boy, Ohio State is just rolling along oh, on, on recruiting. A lot of people thought, well, let's see what uh, Ryan Day does when he's not <laughs> <laughs> not playing with Urban Meyer guys.
2: Yeah. <laughs> he's Turns doing better. Turns out Urban was the problem. Right. <laughs> yeah, was, Ryan, Day was, Ryan Day is clearly... He's the next generation. He's the next Luke Nick Saban. I think he is. I, or he, he goes to the NFL. Well, that's that's the only way to stop in mm-hmm. the, in college. And even then, he'll do what Saban did, which is go try the NFL, make a ton of money, and then come back to wherever the best job is. Yeah, he's so young enough. He can do that. He can do that. He is – and I've not heard much bad about him. I've heard he's a good guy. He liked The players like him. He hasn't had much trouble, seemingly – Outfield with things, and that place is not easy. You know this better than anybody, Steve. That place is not easy. Their fans are, I'd say, unreasonable as a is would be the lowest level where they are. <laughs> they're crazy, and well, they they expect they want to be number one every year, and win every title, and they can't do that. But they are pretty good.
1: That's the biggest game, not only in town but in the state. Even right. though there are two mm-hmm. NFL franchises in the state of Ohio, there's none in Columbus. But uh, that's the biggest game in town, no doubt.
0: It's being generous to call the Browns and the Bengals. Oh, well, that's true. The NFL hey, the Browns made the trials. playoffs last year. Yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> and the Bengals have been or to a Bengals. couple of Super Bowls, <laughs> but uh, that's, <laughs> that's a while way, way back in time. A couple of Super Bowls uh, real close to each other. They lost to the, if I remember right, 49ers both times.
3: They are right in the 80s. Joe Montana. John Candy saw him in the end zone at Joe Robbie. Uh, but, Bob, you wrote about this in, in Tomorrow a little bit, and I know you talked already about in-state recruiting for Illinois and, and the strides Brett Bielema's made, but everyone is chasing Ohio State in, in the recruiting rankings, and it's it's interesting, too, you put this in your column for tomorrow. But there was a time not so long ago that Illinois beat Ohio State consistently. Steve was here. On the football field. Steve was here. I they was here. For five years in I a row. saw
2: mm-hmm. all those games. Five yeah. years in a row, Including, I think two or three of those had to be in Columbus. But if you ask
1: somebody in the Buckeye State, those those years never happened.
2: <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it was that was John Kirby. They were there, but they didn't they count. <laughs> and some of those games, not all of them, a couple of them were real close, but a couple of them were lopsided. And it was Illinois it dominated Ohio State for five years, and uh, that's sure why that went away. The problem in the Big Ten, besides a lot of the things, is fourteen teams met. You can't play everybody every year. Mm-hmm. And I think the Illinois, uh, of all the series, to me, they really got ruined. I think that's that's one. The Illinois, does, Illinois does play, doesn't play Ohio State again until 24.
3: And they haven't played since 2017.
2: Right. So that's that's seven years. These play every year. Mm-hmm. So it gives you a chance to develop that rivalry. And obviously there were some great moments, Dana Howard, and uh, I saw. But, I mean, I saw two games where I, I thought Illinois has little chance to win this game go to Columbus, win the game easily. It's like, what's going on there? But Ohio State dropped. They didn't have Ryan Day. They didn't have Urban Meyer. They didn't have Jim Charles. Well, I guess they had Trussell. They had, no.
1: they had John Cooper.
2: John Cooper. Did,
3: did the shift in Ohio State being, obviously they've been a Big Ten powerhouse for decades. That, right. that stretches back to Woody Hayes' time right. in Columbus. But when did they make that leap, do you think, from just not only a Big Ten power, but... To national title power each and every Trestle. season. Tressel, Tressel
2: started, and he w- had won titles at Youngstown, mm-hmm. a bunch of them, I think five. And he was great, great coach. Uh, obviously, had a great. That's an organization because of the like t- t- Steve just said, because of how much that place cares about the team, they are never wanting for anything. Mm-hmm. They always have the best of the best, but, and then they have great players in the state, too. High school players, of course, the does too. So I don't know whether there's disconnect there. They've always had more than everybody else, and now they, you know, they get the biggest stadium. It's awesome. It's about, to me the f- best place. In the big, t- maybe, maybe I've not been to Alabama for a game or LSU, but I have to believe there can be be many places better than Columbus when it's full when the crowd's rocking. It, it's really good.
3: Well, and it's interesting too. And this, I don't know where how I thought about this at all. Just kind of came up. But you look at Ohio State. And Nebraska, who Illinois plays in, in week zero this season, you look back twenty five years ago. I think you're safe to say that on the national level, Nebraska was a step above they were. Ohio State. They were. And since then, it's been a mighty downfall for Nebraska, while Ohio State's steadily risen to where it's at now. And I think a lot of it comes back to, like you said, Bob, when when Ohio State hired Jim Tressel, he was the right man for the job. And I think if you look at Nebraska. They've really struggled to find who that next coach is after Tom Osborne.
2: The lo- I think in this case, it really is location, location, location. True. Because in Lincoln, you have no players. There are no true. players. There, no, are, there might be five. In Ohio State, there's players. There's not just players in, in Ohio, there's players in Pennsylvania. They got the number one Michigan. player in the,
1: in the country right. to commit over From the weekend. Washington. Yeah. So they,
2: mm-hmm. but they, right, there's definitely a disconnect between those two programs. You're right. In 19. 97, mm-hmm. no, nobody would have argued that Ohio State was better than the basket at that point. But right now, it's not, it's not close. Is
1: this year uh, number four or five for Frost? Four. Four? Four. four. So I he's
2: thought. better go to a ballgame. Most people would say they're better go to a game, play better. they the play Oklahoma in Norman. Second or third week this season. and think third week. If you go there and get killed, people are not going to be happy. So I guess what people is the w- – w- Oklahoma be happy. W-
3: what does Nebraska do, though, if Scott Frost isn't oh, the guy? Who Who is uh, the
2: next guy? Because when he was hired – Stop football. Just <laughs> give up football. I mean, I, honestly, he was supposed to be the savior. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying he's not. No, he I know. He might still be. A- and
3: and in your he, defense, heard Bob, heard it, too, yeah. and, and we give you a hard time about this all in good fun. Every hire you always say is a good hire. Right. but. A lot of people were saying oh, that about everybody. Scott Frost. Right.
2: So if, wh- yeah, I don't know what they do, Steve. I think they're they if this doesn't work. So that's why they're giving a long, long, long rope.
1: Who are they going to hire as the as well, the
2: AD? Well, that's a great question. They I mean, might go local. They and, might and go. There a former player they involved might go in former that player. Um, I'm not sure who that person is. I forget.
1: It th- I saw the name, but I forget what, who it is.
2: I haven't seen a name yet. Yeah. Trevor Alberts would make a sense. No, it wasn't him. It was Okay. No. Yeah, he made people mad. Well, then you
3: have to wonder, too, what that does for Scott Frost because as we've seen in numerous places before, when you bring in a new athletic director, right. they're, li- they're ripe to make changes. In
2: this case, the chancellor, the, I think the guy's name is Ronnie Green, is a wholehearted Scott Frost supporter, so he's not going to hire anybody that doesn't tell him, I'm going I'm to give Scott Frost everything he needs. Plus, they're building a new building there too. So I think I think the AD will be on board with Scott Frost. I don't think they'll hire somebody that doesn't say Scott Frost is the answer at Nebraska. So I think we'll see. I think if they struggle this year, don't make a bowl, then next year will be the will be the, you know, make break, year. Make yeah, a break. yeah it'll be the breakthrough break year, make a break year for him. But I don't think they're the there yet. But their schedule is nasty too. They. For some reason, the Big Ten, not <laughs> trading them very well. Like they're mad at them. They have to go to Norman and play Ohio State and play Michigan. I think, I can't remember if there might be Michigan State. Well, they got
3: to come to Champagne week. they got oh, to come to Champagne. Oh. So,
2: we'll see. They are not comfortable. They play Buffalo, too. So, not, not a great schedule.
1: Let's uh, go back to basketball for a little bit. Uh, make sure Scott Ritchie doesn't doze off on us. We we talked a little bit about Kofi. Anything else? Any other thoughts on on Kofi here as we Move through the, uh, I guess, kind of the second week of July. What, you got a gut feeling on this?
0: No. <laughs> and I don't know that anyone can honestly say that they have right. one and feel good about it. Uh, it's just it doesn't make sense to me for him to return to college basketball and play anywhere else I agree with but that. Illinois. I agree Not only will he be the guy, along with Andre Corbello at Illinois, but in terms of whatever they figure out, where he can you know use name image likeness to his advantage, his brand is built around Illinois right now, what he's done the last two years. he wouldn't have to start over at a new program, but he wouldn't maybe have the foundation to maybe reap as many benefits outside of champagne, so I guess we'll see, and I mean it's there's a chance he gets drafted. I mean, it's a small one. Um, it's probably more likely he doesn't. Uh, so, I could. I mean, I can see where coming back to college basketball would be the play. But I mean, if he does and winds up at, uh, as every Elmo fan is dreading, Kentucky. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it just it, it adds a strange wrinkle to the college basketball career of a guy whose jersey will be in the rafters because he. I mean.
1: Like, There's a question for you. If he does that, will his jersey be in the rafters here?
0: I mean, he meets the criteria, yeah. but I don't know how Illinois views that. Right. Because they only just now started putting Kendrick Nunn back in the in the season guide. And so they acknowledge you know, his time at Illinois where he transferred to Oakland, mostly because I think he's playing well in the NBA. So. Right. Uh, but, yeah, that's, that's an interesting question because Josh Whitman – what three weeks ago was talking about Kofi's legacy I was Like their numbers will be honored in the rafters at the State Farm Center at, at some point. So uh, you put an asterisk on Kofi's twenty-one if it does go up. I don't know. It's a it's a weird situation. Well, what? the thing
3: the thing too is if he sorry Steve if, That's okay. if he if he transfers to Kentucky, he's going to join a loaded team of transfers. I mean John Calipari has really hit the portal hard this off season after a disastrous winter last year in in Lexington. And just to kind of further Scott's point, if he comes back to Illinois, he's the marquee attraction. His name's the one in lights. His name's the one that's on ESPN touting their next game, everything like that. He will get plenty of coverage in the news Gazette. Like he always has done. If he just goes to Kentucky again, he could develop and still put up huge numbers for Kentucky and still possibly be the guy. But They've got a lot of other guys that are already there in in place as well. If he were to end up at Kentucky and and join Orlando Antigua, the former Illinois assistant who was so vital in in getting him to come to Champaign in the first place, but if he decides to come back to college and to stay at Illinois, I think that only increases his his brand and his appeal more than it would if he were to go to Kentucky at
1: all. He'd be in the discussion along with EJ Liddell, who has announced that he is – Indeed, going back to Ohio State, they'd both be in the discussion for Big Ten Preseason Player of the Year.
0: Well, Kofi would be the Big Ten Preseason Player of the Year. And that's no slight to E.J. Liddell, who right. I have thought is super talented for several years, you know, dating back to when he was in high school. And, and But, you know, Kofi would not only likely be the Big Ten Preseason Player of the Year, but odds are he's a first team preseason All American. Uh,
1: and most likely, Illinois, depending on who else might come here with him, would be a top 10, maybe higher ranked preseason
0: team. Yeah, I mean, because they're not a top 25 team now. maybe knocking on the door, I could see that in a receiving votes category. If Kofi comes back there, at least top, between top 10, top 15, if, I mean, the, I'm not saying there's no chance this happens, but it, it's a pretty. Zero adjacent chance, like Dawson Garcia and Kofi Coburn wind up in Champagne together. Like that's the top three team in the country. That's, yeah. They have the best backcourt in the country or front court. Excuse me.
1: Tell me more about or tell the listeners more about Sincere Harris. He committed a Saturday morning. You were on the show with Lauren and I Saturday morning. We got that news right before we went on. He made a an unofficial visit. Here last week, I guess it was, wasn't it, or maybe the week before? It was mid-June. Okay. About
0: the 14th, 15th.
1: Okay. And then he uh, gave his commitment. Uh, what have you learned about him?
0: Well, I got a chance to talk with him and his dad, TJ, and then also uh, St. Saint Vincent, St. Saint Mary coach, Drew Joyce, uh, who's been there for two decades, and coached LeBron James back in the early 2000s. Um, but you know, af- uh, after that visit, like the Sunday of the visit, yeah, you know, Sincere Harris, his dad, told me it was like, he was ready to commit then and there his dad's like well let's maybe go home and think about it and he said you know do the due diligence kind of make sure this is the right choice and then you know just a few weeks later that they were right where they had kind of started from and like Illinois to them was the was the fit and yeah it's he's an interesting you know prospect six three guard lefty of course because that's what (laughs) Underwood loves but just from watching some some highlights he can he finishes around the rim with both hands really well like finishes more right-handed sometimes than left-handed definitely shoots left-handed but uh, even at 6'3 like he easily plays above the rim so he's got you know that legit athleticism um really tight handles you know, when it comes to taking care of the ball um and I was talking with his high school coach was like he figured out how to be a two-way threat and started defending he got to St. Vincent and St. Mary I'm pretty sure uh, Drew Joyce gave him no other choice <laughs> but to defend. So he yeah, has turned into a, a two way guy. And uh, we'll see kind of what else Elmo makes of that 2022 class. But they've got two guards right now in Sincere Harrison, Reggie Bass. and Two lefties. Yeah. <laughs> two That's more a, lefties. Two more lefties. So uh, a big, I think, is probably next, would be my guess, just because. Even if Kofi comes back, like he's not going to be here a fourth year. Right. So they, they got some front court um, spots to fill.
1: 545, need to take a break. We'll do that now. We'll keep the phone line open, 217-356-9397. On this July 5th edition of Monday Night Sports Talk, we're back with more after this. Got about uh, 8 or 10 minutes left on Monday Night Sports Talk. If you'd like to join us, 217-356-9397. We've talked some Illinois football. Some Illinois basketball. Who wants to talk baseball? Anybody?
2: Nope. How are the Braves doing, Bob? Ah, uh, game under five hundred. Right. Big one yesterday, down four, and then they had a walk oh, off yeah. win, didn't they? Yeah. It was a great win. Saw that. So I'm I'm okay because they uh, they played horrible and they're contention. So I'm I'm good.
1: Well, the Cardinals are not good, but um, they're scoreless right now. They're on the West Coast after uh, leaving Denver, having lost three out of four they're in San Francisco now to play one of the surprise teams met in the in All-of-Baseball the Giants no score in the bottom of the third inning of that ball game KK Kim is on the mound for the Cardinals who are 41 and 44 now and 10 games back of Milwaukee the Cubs have lost nine straight are they sellers now they're well, getting close
3: I, I, I mean you have to look at the, the NL Central and, and just what the Brewers have done these last couple yeah. of weeks has just, just been mighty impressive. They've really just kind of ran away from the rest of the division while the rest of the division kind of floundered in its own ineptitude and uh, Milwaukee has just asserted themselves as the, the team to beat and everyone has to come chase them now in the NL Central which I think we all kind of thought the NL Central was going to be one of those divisions that kind of you know hemmed and hawed all season long and then September might be the Brewers, Cubs, and Cardinals kind of in the mix but the way the Cubs have been playing which is worse than the Cardinals which is really hard to imagine because the Cardinals have been so bad uh for the last six seven weeks or so but uh Cubs fans are not very happy right now and uh Cardinals fans are wondering what to do in this precarious position because you're the trade deadline's coming up in less than uh it'll be here by the end of the month and you're wondering if the Cardinals are going to be sellers at all or if they're just going to kind of Throw it in because they're at the point right now where they can't. It would be foolish, I think, to trade a bunch of prospects to try to get a rental player for a couple months for a team that likely isn't going to finish above third in the NL Central, uh, given mm-hmm. their inconsistent play, uh, just mm-hmm. both hitting and pitching. Um, and their
1: prospect uh, bank, it, exactly. so not, to speak, is not what it once was.
3: No, it's not. I mean, Matthew Libertor is going to be in the futures uh, game out in Colorado, so is Nolan Gorman. Those two are. Obviously, I'd say that the top two Bring prospects in the Cardinal system. Yeah, why not? Um, definitely, don't get rid of them for uh, right. a deal. Trying to get maybe I know Max Scherzer's kind of the pipe dream, or was the pipe dream before the Cardinals started looking like the Cardinals of the early 1990s. Uh, these last this last six weeks or so, but uh, yeah, it's just it's a frustrating time uh, if you're, you're a Cardinals fan, just because game the rare occasions where they actually do manage to find their offense the pitching seems to deplete them and if Adam Wainwright's not starting then there's really no hope for them to win a game it looks like and I mean you go out to four games this past weekend with the 4th of July and Coors Field a, a ballpark known for its offensive pedigree and the Cardinals can't seem to score more than two runs and it's just it's
1: yeah, hey, they scored six in the tenth inning. Exactly. The, <laughs> the Harrison Bader,
3: won. Harrison Bader had a monster grand slam in that game, but that was pretty much the only highlight of, of the four <laughs> games in Colorado. And they're just become a team that's almost—they're just not that. Like we, we'll, we we'll all tune in and we'll see what they're doing because we're Cardinals fans, but they're just not that fun to watch. Like they're just the, their brand of baseball that they're playing is not enjoyable to watch at all. And I don't know what they do. I don't know what John Mozalek and his front office team can try to conjure up here besides just kind of caving in on the 2021 season putting all attention on 2022 and it's frustrating too because the cardinals dominated some of the headlines in uh, the offseason because they got nolan arenado but lost amid all of that is they didn't do anything else to upgrade their team and now we're seeing it being played out on the field each and every night
1: the reds all of a sudden are in second place <laughs> yeah. but uh, the brewers lost yesterday snapped their 10 game winning streak but while they were winning 10 straight the Cubs lost <laughs> nine in a row there's your big difference Cubs are uh, at uh, 500 at 42 and 42 eight and a half games back the Reds are seven back as I mentioned the Cardinals are 10 back and it doesn't really matter who finishes second in that division because of the, the wild card
3: wild cards are going to go to the team out west yeah. most likely probably the Padres and, and whoever ends up finishing behind the Giants or the Dodgers whoever kind of wins the NL West you'd have to think it's the Dodgers just because of their stability and and the amount of stars that they have on their team and and they're on a great run right now too but if you're a fan of the team on the north side of Chicago right now you're kind of wondering what the heck's going to play out here the rest of the 2021 season if they're going to You'd have to think they're going to try to trade one of their big three and Javi Baez, Chris Bryant, or Anthony Rizzo, and, and see what they can get in return for that. Because I don't think you're going to see a situation where you bring all three of them back for next season. And yeah, these next couple of weeks are going to really determine uh, what happens with the Cardinals and Cubs come the trade deadline. Because if they're still at this, if they're still you know eight, ten games back come July 31st, what's the point in trying to? Trying to add to a team that's pretty much just had a, a wasted season.
2: I just watched Trading Places, which you guys probably have been in that I scene. I know what Trading Places okay, is, maybe I just watched it, and that see late in this, the movie, the one guy, da, uh, Don Amici, or Ralph Bellamy, says, sell, sell, sell. That's the Cardinals. they got to sell. they got to do what they can.
3: But that goes against, too, the whole ethos of the
2: organization Right, I know the last that, 25 But, but who you gonna sell? Well... Well, well, who wants get, to buy where, what right. the Cardinals have? Well, yeah, exactly. Whatever somebody posed a
1: question to me the other day uh, just out, you know, what if? What if somebody, like, say, the Padres, who mm-hmm. are very much in it, what if they offered some prospects for a veteran guy like Yadier Molina? you do it. To catch for them for the rest of the season, and who knows he do it. What after that? Yeah, right. I, don't think the Card-
3: I don't think the Cardinals would do it. I honestly don't. I, I think the fact that they brought him, Molina, back on a one-year deal, I, I think the legacy means a lot to the Cardinals. I think, I think it was, does, too. But Right or wrong, um, I, I think that means a whole heck of a lot to the front office, and they want to be able to say, you know, down the road that Yadier Molina played his entire career uh, in St. Louis. I think, again, though, if Molina were to come to them and say, hey, man, this... This just isn't how I envision right, this I season play, going. I want to I w- I wanna right. win. This is my my career's winding down. I want to go to a team that's got a shot. Then maybe, maybe you do that.
2: It's the California, I'm I'm okay with that.
3: <laughs> but I mean, the thing is too is though if Molina or whoever were traded and goes to a contending team, would they have the same role that they have now? Would Molina just be the backup catcher to Victor Carantini out I in San Diego? So. I don't think so. I don't think so, right. so either. But that, that
1: that's just a one example. I'd be
3: fine if the Padres were like, hey, we'll trade, we'll give you a bunch of prospects and you can take Matt Carpenter and his contract. I'd be, go right ahead, (laughs) but I don't think that's going to happen. You
1: take one final break, we'll do that and be back with some final words after this. Closing in on 6 o'clock here on this Monday Sports Talk, here on WDWS, champaign Urbana. Yeah, Daniels, when he leaves the studio, we'll walk down the hall to continue putting the Tuesday paper together. Tell us more about the sports page.
3: Yeah, well, uh, Scott's got a big story about Sincere Harris. Bob touches on, on football recruiting. Uh, we've got that locally, and we've got a big spread on the upcoming NBA Finals, which Bob Osmussen told me he's he's loving the NBA I'll, now. Write,
2: I'll write about it later in the week. Yeah, that's fine. Okay.
1: Scott will keep his eye on the Kofi Coburn situation, the coaching vacancy. Still and other vacancy. staff position vacancy.
0: Yeah, I'll say, you know, still haven't hired a third assistant at Illinois, and it's July fifth, and uh, we waited till the last minute of the show to talk about it, though. Yeah, I mean, eventually, I suppose they'll hire someone, and that's where I'm at at this point. And
1: I, I think most everybody's just like <laughs> they're with you now. Just
0: hire somebody. I don't care. Just, just make it happen. Yep.
3: Yeah. Speaking Appreciate of the NBA Finals tomorrow night, Brian Randall, former Alana, be on the bench for the Phoenix Suns.
1: Good for him. That's yeah. good stuff. Appreciate it, guys. Thank Thanks. you, Steve. This has been Monday Night Sports Talk, WDWS, Champaign, Urbana. For the guys, I'm Steve Kelly. Thanks for uh, listening, and we'll talk to you again soon.
0: To the Florida Keys. Landfall impact is likely to be north of Tampa Bay.
1: New fears over the COVID Delta variant. which now makes up more than a quarter of all new COVID.